welcome to another podcast episode of Indigenous Roots and Hoots, produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Indigenous Roots and Hoots is about Indigenous people and culture, past and present, success stories and inspiring stories about Indigenous people and what they are doing today. Whether it's arts, music, sports, business, education, and so on, Indigenous people are affecting positive change in their communities throughout Canada. Our aim here is to create a better awareness about Indigenous people to help bridge the gap of understanding for the reconciliation process in Canada to grow. Hello and welcome to Indigenous Roots and Roots, a podcast produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. I'm your host, Gordon Spence, and today our guest is Darren James Corbier, also known as Wabshki Makwa, meaning white bear in the Ojibwe language. Mr. Corbier is an Ojibwe or Anishinaabe from the Wikimukon First Nation on Manitoulin Island. Hello and welcome, Mr. Corbier. Glad you can join us today. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing fine. Thank you. Maybe we can start by you just talking a little bit about uh, your background, your family, your community, and your where you grew up, like, and your cultural identity. Just sort of some personal information about who you are. All right. Uh, well, first of all, I'm uh, in, a, I guess, a traditional greeting. I haven't done this in a long time. I'm White Bear, or also my Christian name or government name is James Darren Corbier. I am from Wikwemkong on Manitoulin Island, and I belong to the Bear Clan. I was born and raised on Manitoulin and, and Wiki. Went to high school in Espanola College in Sudbury. Uh, I was a, from the age of 21 until I was about 35, and uh, an injury forced a return back to school. So I went to university in my mid 30s, uh, got a degree in science and biology, and then in, and then one in education, and then uh, in Wiki for a year at the uh, at the Pontiac School. Since then, I've been an Indigenous language teacher in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, for the Algoma District School Board. And about six years ago, I started doing artwork. And five years ago, um, I moved out to Prince George, British Columbia, Northern BC. And then just recently, I moved down to around Victoria, British Columbia. And uh, that's where I'm at now. Okay, one of your past jobs was working as a police officer in Sudbury and in Wikwimikong Territory, Ontario. Can you yep. talk about your experiences working as a police officer in those places? Working in Sudbury was amazing. There were only two uh, Indigenous police officers in Sudbury at the time, and I was one of them. There was another one, Grant Dokis, who was hired on probably about a year before, a year or two before I, I was hired on. And, and you would think in Sudbury, with a large Indigenous population, that they would have more Indigenous police officers, but we were the only two. So a lot of my work was done downtown where a lot of the Anishinaabek live in the downtown part of um, Sudbury. I worked there for five years. I was I was a old-fashioned beat cop. Um, I used to go on foot patrol in downtown Sudbury, and I'd often, you know, double up with uh, uh, another police officer, and we'd we'd operate the the the, the what they called the two-man car, the downtown car, at the time. And I can't remember what year it was. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to give you any years necessarily, but I think it was about early 90s that Wikwemakong entered into a tripartite agreement with the, the feds and the province to establish their own policing service on the reserve. 
And so what they did was they went out asking for police officers or for members, wiki band members to come home to help set up the, the, the first standalone police service in wiki, right? The wiki tribal police. And so uh, there were a, a, a few of us who were contacted, uh, I think myself, and there was a, the only other person that I recall speaking to about it was Stephen Jocko. Stephen Jocko is the son of Art Jocko. Art Jocko was one of the first constables in Wiki, and his son joined the OPP and uh, um, was invited back to Wiki to help with uh, establishing this police service, and I was the only one who answered the call. I worked there for seven years, and I was uh, injured, a back injury. Uh, I suffered a back injury while on duty, and my position ended there. They terminated my position because I, I couldn't go on patrol. In any event, uh, that that's how I ended up going back to university. And uh, I loved what I did. I loved working for the people. I enjoyed, I hated patrol. Patrol was boring, but uh, so, so was the paperwork. But it was uh, a really enjoyable position to be in. And I, I liked uh, policing. It was, uh, it was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Worked right. with some really good people. Yeah. Yeah, it must be a difficult job in some places because I know at uh, some reserves, you know, you're you're a peace officer or a police police officer, and you know a lot of these people that you know you know them as friends or relatives, and uh, it can be a challenge for uh, for an indigenous person working in their it home is, community. Yeah, yeah. it is. You yeah, know, but but some of the toughest arrests are are made in your own hometown, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went back to school and attained a university degree in biology and education, enabling yes. you to become a teacher teaching an indigenous language. Tell us a bit about that. Well, my teaching designation was as a science teacher. And when I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I was actually living in Michigan, in the, in the Sioux, just in a small town called Kinchlow, just south of Sault Ste. Marie at, at the time. And uh, I was fully certified as a, as a biology teacher late in the year, late in the season, uh, October, I put in an application for the Algoma District School Board. And within a couple of days, I got a call uh, saying that they're, they're a native language teacher asking me if I could teach uh, native language. That's not my specialty. I was born and raised in Wiki. I was raised by my my grandparents. My grandparents and uh, you know the family were there. The adults always spoke in Nishnabemwin, but very rarely did they speak in Nishnabemwin to me. Uh, most of my uh, upbringing was done in English, as my grandparents were afraid that you know that I'd probably be punished or something for speaking my language, right? And so they, right. they, they, didn't, they didn't speak that way to me. They spoke to me almost exclusively in English, but I heard everything that they had to say when they would talk to each other, right? Or, or to my older aunts and uncles. And so I picked up a lot of the nuance and the, and the phrases and, the, you know, just the little aesthetics of, uh, of the language that you can't pick up from an online course, you know, the, the, all, those little, all those little things. So I decided, okay, I, I told the... Uh, the school board, hey, I'm not 100% fluent, but I know enough to teach like like some basic stuff like numbers and colors. And and so uh, they hired me and that's how I became an indigenous language teacher. I only had one class, which if, if you're if you're if you're into uh, education, it was only a point 
I think a 0.3, I think that's what they call it. And in order to get a full-time job, I had to teach other things. So anything in the curriculum at the time in Ontario, anything with the, the, the word Indian or Indigenous or Aboriginal in it, in the curriculum, was kind of dropped in my lap to teach. And, and so that's how I filled up my, my full-time schedule, by picking up these other teachable subjects that no one else was qualified or, or uh, wanted to teach. And so I, I also taught, in addition to the language, I also taught uh, Native studies, uh, Aboriginal beliefs, Canadian history. I would teach Canadian history, but what I would do is I would modify it to, to teach it from uh, an Anishinaabe point of view, like all of, all of these historical events about Canada, but from our side of the, the coin, so to speak. And then uh, that's basically what I did for, gosh, probably about 10 years while I was teaching at, uh, uh, for the Algoma District School Board. I also uh, picked up some online courses uh, or taught at um, Sioux College. I had an online course. I think it's still out there. Uh, the, the videos are on YouTube somewhere. But um, that, was my, that was my time and that was my teaching. Right. You created a board game titled Truth and Truth and Reconciliation. How did this come about and how has it impacted you and how has it worked out for you? <laughs> um, well, as I mentioned before, I was uh, teaching for about 10 years and anything, anything with the word Indigenous or Aboriginal or Native in the curriculum, uh, I had to, I'm a science teacher, right? I'm a science guy, not a social studies guy. So I had to learn all of these things. And as I went through the process of learning all of these um, historical facts, I basically compiled all this information into some uh, lessons that I would teach. So I think it was 2015. Yeah, June 2015, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission came out with their recommendations, with their report. And a year later, the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation put out a call to secondary teachers to come in to um, respond, uh, help create a toolkit to respond to the recommendations contained in, in the commission report. And there were a, a number of us that got together from across Ontario uh, and, and we put together this toolkit um, teaching about truth and reconciliation. I, I, I'm not sure what happened with, with that toolkit, but one of the things that I was tasked to do was to come up with an activity to engage the the teachers because this 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 was too, uh, we were supposed to design a toolkit that that would go out to all the high school teachers in Ontario that would give them a basic understanding of of truth and truth and reconciliation. So the two tasks uh, that or the two products that I designed one was a puzzle and the other one was this this game uh, and the the union decided to go along with the puzzle. And, and I had this game and I designed the game in May of 2017. And literally it was, it was cut and paste. I, I printed stuff off, bought some recipe cards, uh, put together, uh, put together a small game board. I did the artwork on the game board and on the, on the player cards and things like that. And, and I presented, and I did this, I went, uh, went to my class and I said, okay, guys, we're going to study for the exam because it was late May, early June, and we're getting ready for exams that, that summer. And I said, we're, we're going to sit down, we're going to play this game that, I, that I've created. And, and we sat there and we played the game and we played the game and the students, they, they, they loved it. Um, and uh, eventually the, the, the initial version of the game, 
had 52 cards. It was like a deck of cards, right? Four suits of uh, uh, 13 facts each uh, from Canadian Indigenous history. And and basically, when when they pulled a card, it was like a trivia game. You would pull a card, and and it would have a fact uh, from from can- Canadian history. In okay, so for example, on July first, uh, um, 1867, Canada is created. Uh, yay, hooray, congratulations! And then below, there are consequences for this for this truth or this fact. And the consequences are that Indigenous people across Canada began to lose all of their land. So in the game. In the game that I created, the indigenous player has uh, currency, and the currency is land, language, culture, and identity. And and the 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 goal of the indigenous player is to circle Turtle Island four times, earn four eagle feathers, and still have if they still have a piece of currency. So if they have a piece of land or or, a, or language or cultural identity, they're survivors. But if they lose all of their currency before they collect four eagle feathers, they 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 become extinct and they're out of the game. So, uh, and and those are the that's the terminology that that is used in the game: extinction, genocide, and and anyway, um, the game was great. Uh, I got a lot of good good feedback, a lot of good reviews. Uh, I incorporated elements of my artwork. I started doing artwork in November 2015, and uh, going back even further further than that, um, when I was a kid back in Wiki, I used to be able to see light. This is this is uh, emotional for me. Huh? Yeah. I used to be able to see light around people, and uh, um, bad things started to happen at the church. I live I live just down down the hill from the church, so. Um, and then, and in those days, the church had a had an important role in community life, you know, church bazaars and things like that. But anyway, bad things started to happen there. And uh, after after a while, I I couldn't see the light anymore, and I, and I didn't know that this was this wasn't uh, 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 you know a common thing. Not everybody was able to do this, and that I I thought that was just normal, right? That that people could see, you know, when you look at someone, you could see lights around them. I thought that was normal, but. For for fifty years, or I turned fifty, uh, which was in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, I got tired of running, right, running from the from the demons that the church left behind. So um, I decided I went on a fast and and uh, you know tried to reconnect with my my old traditional ways and and that kind of cracked things open and and all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff started to happen and the artwork, my artwork, I only began in in November of two thousand fifteen. So May 2015, I go on the fast, um, you know, come to this realization that I'm tired of being running from the demons. And then uh, um, November 2015, I, I break down completely. I'm, I'm off work for PTSD uh, uh, related uh, illnesses, I, I suppose. And then um, uh, the artwork came out. And, and since then, it's just been it's just been steady. I probably produced about uh, Probably about 300 individual pieces of artwork. Now, now having said that, I I produced uh, several pieces of artwork that I incorporated in the game. We got to go back to the game here, the game, and then uh, once the game was printed, I I printed this game. Um, Nelson Canada, the the big uh, educational publisher, one of the big educational publishers, saw the game. They liked the game, but because of my um, in the game, uh, the 
you had the church and the crown the church and the crown their goal is to strip the indigenous players of every piece of currency to the point of extinction right that's the goal of the church and crown in the game of truth and truth and reconciliation so the church and the and the and the crown um, also receive shame cards. That's that's one of the things that that's a that's a feature of the game is that is that shame cards are given out for awful things that the church and the crown have done historically. Every time, for example, uh, for example, let's let's just use Kamloops. Uh, Kamloops, the discovery of the bodies in in Kamloops, the babies' bodies. The 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 church and the crown would would get a you know two or three shame cards as a result of that, right? Or or something like that, just to give you an example of where where a shame card would be earned. So Nelson, Nelson in Canada said that uh, a large demographic uh, in Ontario uh, that, that operates uh, part of the school system refused to acknowledge or, or, or they wouldn't buy the game if, if there were shame cards in there because um, the school board didn't want their students questioning why the, the Catholic church would be, would be getting shame cards. Of course, they want their they want their their sheep to be remain sheep, right? Anyway, um, so that deal fell through, and I've been sitting on the game ever since. Uh, I've 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 had it set up at, at different events like powwows and, and things like that. Uh, yeah. Let me just stop here for a minute. I I want to just yep. before we get into your artwork, that was kind of my next question. Yeah, um, your board game or your game? Uh, do you have a uh, uh, a website where people can uh, can find it and and buy it. The, it isn't for sale, no. not not yet. Like I said, okay. the deal fell through with Nelson, and and in order to, I've I've done all the homework. Uh, in order to produce, um, in order to produce the game, I'd have to come up with a substantial amount of cash. Uh, I'm I need probably about one point two million dollars. Wow. Yeah, and what I would like to do with that, given given that number. As I would, I would, um, I would print twenty thousand copies of the game, and then just go out and I'd give them away. <laughs> well, that, never mind, never mind hassling with school board regular, you know, regulations and things like that. I would just say, hey, you want a game of truth and truth and reconciliation? Here you go. Send me your address. I'll mail one out to you. That's what I would like to do because people need to know. People need to know this. Yeah. People need to know what happened. I mean, Canadians, in in as a lot of them are aware of what happened, but only on the surface level, right? And, the, and this game would create greater awareness, I think, and a better understanding all around. Uh, I do have a website, easternwoodlandart.ca. Okay, easternwoodland.ca. Um, yeah. Easternwoodland Art, yeah. Okay, so in, people are listening and want to uh, contact you, they can go to that website. They can go to Eastern, the website, yeah. Right, okay. You're an artist, uh, Sounds like you know you're a gifted artist, a natural artist. Can you talk a bit about what you've done and uh, what you're doing now? Well, in terms of my in terms of my artwork, um, right? Like I said, that's fairly that's fairly recent. Um, what I did, what I did was I, I grew up you know in Wiki. I, I, I lived just up all my life. I was like a hundred meters from the water, right down in down in Wiki Bay. Um, just below the church that's that's where I, that's where i grew up there's a there's a well it used to be a green and white house uh, james corbier's place so just above the marina and and that's where i lived and grew up as a kid and 
I would watch elders go out in their big wooden boats. Like, like there's, um, there's a guy, his name is Chadumnik. Oh, that's what we used to call him anyway. I can't, I, I think it's Dominic Rekele, his last name, but he was a fisherman and, uh, and a guy. He had this big, big wooden boat that he would come down and he would take it out almost, almost daily. Right. And he'd go check his fishing lines and things like that. And so it's always been, it's always been a dream of mine to, to, to not, not just to own a boat, but to build one. Right. I want to, I want to, I wanted to build this big wooden boat. And so I went to, um, Garden River. Well, I, I'm, I was teaching in the Sioux, so Garden River is right, right next to the Sioux. And I, I bought a bunch of lumber from one of the from the sawmills on on the reserve there, and uh, a, a bunch of ash. It was white ash. I wanted to use the white ash to uh, build the the frame, like the keel and the ribs for for this boat that I was going to build. One one night, uh, like I said, November November 2015, I had a shirt. I had a shirt in my there were pens in the shirt pocket and I put the shirt down on top of this, this plank of wood. And uh, one of the pens had uh, broken and the ink leaked out onto the wood. And, and it, it just, it just began sort of like to take, take shape. It was weird because I can't see things in, 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 in the wood or whatever. And I, ju- I just continued um, adding more colors and, and adding and adding and then and then next thing you know there's there's a there's a piece of artwork and it, and it isn't something that I I practice I mean I'm getting I'm getting much better I, I'm much getting much more skilled at, at working with ink on on ash but that's that's sort of the, the the stuff that I use I use wood and I follow the grains or or if you want to get technical it's almost like a paint by numbers where I just follow the grains, I follow the lines, and, and these images appear. Now, at, at first, people would ask me, like early on, people would ask me, well, how do you do this? Where does this come from? And, and all, I, all I can say after, after doing this for about six years is that, is that sometimes the stories are, are there in the grain of the wood, and I think it's the tree or the earth or the, or the water that, that holds these memories, and, and I'm just like a like an old fashioned record player where you have the arm that has the needle that drops down. That that's like my hand. You can imagine my hand being the, the arm and then the pen is like the needle that drops down and I'm just translating the information that's contained in the grooves of the wood. Like, like the, the record would translate the information contained in the, or the player. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. And uh, so that's, that's basically how it goes. Uh, I do commissions. Uh, people tell me stories and, and, uh, most of my artwork is spirit lines. There's, there's, uh, not, not very much in terms of anything. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you asked me to do a portrait, I wouldn't be able to do a portrait. Like I can't, I can't draw a face, but, but I can, I can draw something like it or close to it. And then you have to use your imagination to be able to see it. So it's more abstract, uh, right. contemporary indigenous art. Uh, I don't use canvas. I don't use paint. I use ink on hardwood and then and then uh what i've done is i've as my skill has developed i've included incorporated uh, copper little copper bits um again because the 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 copper is is in the old days used to be sacred to anishinaabek for our ceremonies and so what i when i when i found this copper i incorporated into my artwork and um uh the the artwork has been healing all, all the colors have come back right not not in not in human form i guess 
in, in yeah. this case, but, uh, but in, 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 in the expressions, uh, through, through those pieces of, uh, lumber, uh, there's a, there's been a lot of healing. There's this famous English story about a guy, a guy, a guy called Dorian Gray. And, uh, in the, in the story about Dorian Gray, uh, he gets to do all these nasty things while he's in human form. And then what happens is this painting takes on all of the all of the damage for his his bad ways and so this is this is me getting rid of all of that bad stuff by putting it into the into the wood or into the artwork and so i don't have to carry it right so that's that's how the artwork uh emerged and um depending on depending on the the, the the what's in the air I, I suppose for lack of a better term uh, for example when uh, Kamloops uh, when revelations of the, the of what the church did in Kamloops came out back in June last year or May in the Bay last year uh, there was a series of, of artworks that came out within probably probably about a week and I did like six pieces of artwork all of them related to uh, experiences from the the residential school I never went. I never went, but but uh, you know, aunties, uncles, grandparents, uh, so many of my family, and then so many of my students. I, I you know, when I was teaching in the Sioux, so many of my uh, my students, their their parents or grandparents went to Shinguak, Shinguak or Spanish, uh, and tough to ignore when so many. You hear so many similar stories. Like I'm a police officer, and I I gather evidence. Right, I'm a facts kind of guy. I and and when you hear so many different people from so many different places telling the same story over and over again, it's not coincidence, right? It's no longer a coincidence. You can write it off, oh, well, once or twice, oh, well, it's a coincidence. But then when you hear, you know, 10, 20, 30 or more people telling you about the same things over and over and over again, and then these people don't know each other, they've never met each other. Yeah. Anyway, the... Uh, yeah, so a lot of these, a lot of these uh, late, later pieces have come out, and uh, uh, some of them are, are, yeah, very uh, provocative or controversial. And uh, I need to, um, you know, those are the pieces that uh, have have been emerging lately. Yeah, yeah, with the art. Yeah, it's quite amazing that you know artists are inspired in different ways, and uh, and uh, just like you have, but. Uh, you have a very interesting, you know, background, very interesting background, being a police officer, a teacher, indigenous language teacher, culture, a science, a science teacher, and an artist. So, and uh, you have a, you know, pretty much uh, a good rounded life in, the, in that you've experienced so much in your, in your life. My last question has to do with something you're, you're very familiar with, uh, and it's about reconciliation. And, uh, you know, we hear talk about people, the government and different people talking about, oh, we need to have a reconciliation in Canada in order for Canada, you know, to grow mm -hmm. and become something new and better. How do you feel about this whole reconciliation thing and, you know, to make Canada a better country? What are your thoughts and feelings about this? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well. Uh, first and foremost, I think that the church should be held responsible for the crimes they've committed against Indigenous people. That's that's my firm belief. As a police officer, if if I were investigating any organization 
that had bodies that were buried and unaccounted for, I would do my best to charge them and to bring them to court. And I think that's the, the first process that needs to be done is that is that the church, the Catholic church, the unapologetic bully in, in the room has to be held accountable. Now, I'm not talking about paying money out. The, 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 church, the church has billions and billions of dollars. They, 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 they're, they're hoarding it in the Vatican. What they need to do is they need to step up. They need to acknowledge that they made a mistake. They made a huge mistake. They have to apologize for the, for the harm that they've done. And they have to make a commitment to trying to ameliorate the damage, right? Rather, rather, than, rather than standing or hiding in a corner, they have to step up. They have to take responsibility. If, if you or I were responsible for, for causing harm to people, you or I would be taken to task and we'd be held responsible and we would be made to pay, right? Made to whatever the case may be. So that's what needs to happen as far as I'm concerned to start this reconciliation process. The church has to step up and live up to their preaching or their teaching, right? If you or I did that, the church would say, go confess, ask for redemption, seek redemption. Then that's what the church needs to do. They have to come to us. Hey, we're sorry. We messed up. Uh, these are not Jesus's teachings. Jesus would be pretty pissed off if he were, he were here right now. Forgive us. We made a mistake. What can we do to help you? How can we help put put you back together? Right. That's that's what the church needs to do. Right. That's what the church needs to do. From there, reconciliation runs really deep because because we're all messed up or running uh, in a dysfunctional way what we need to do is figure out that reconciliation isn't just between uh the 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 church and state and and indigenous indigenous people it, it's it's between nations so the people ourselves uh, we have to get along better with the mohawks uh, the Anishinaabs have to get along better with the mohawks or the cree uh there, there's reconciliation that needs to be there because there are old there are lines that are drawn that weren't there before that are created by the colonizers. Um, those have to be erased. Um, our men, our men, our men, oh, myself included, we have to go through the process of reconciliation, reconciling with our women. At least in my understanding of a Nishnabe society, we're not supposed to be dominant. Men are not supposed to be dominant. We're supposed to be servant servants to to women, not servants, but partners. But our roles, we got to go back to our roles, our traditional roles of of respecting, protecting, um, providing for our women. Right? That's 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 our job. We have one job. That's all we got to do. Um, we have to reconcile those those roles as well. Uh, reconciliation happens on on so many levels it's it's uh, and and what what are we reconciling for right you have to identify the problem uh i i think it was uh eddie benton benai he's uh he used to be um a medewuan he he was the <laughs> the head of the medewuan society and uh he was teaching over at algoma and i heard him one day said he said uh in order to understand in order to heal you have to understand the wound and so reconciliation if this is a healing process then we have to understand the wound right why are why does the government why does the church why did why does canada have to reconcile to indigenous people well here's what happened right this is this is your history our history 
this is our history. This is what you've done. This is what you created. You have to fix it, right? If, if I made this mess, the responsibility would be on me to go back and, and ameliorate things or, or fix things or make things better, right? That's, that's always the responsibility of the person who's caused the harm. So that's what has to happen with reconciliation. It's not just government saying, oh, we're sorry, or that the, I, I think the church needs to be investigated criminally. If I were still a cop, I, I would I would probably go before a justice of the peace, do up an information, officially charge the Catholic Church with genocide, and then let them defend themselves in court, right? Very let good. them figure it out. That uh, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm uh, fantasizing here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, makes you wonder why charges have been laid, but uh, that's yeah. not that's not really up to us to decide. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, some some smart First Nations community can can go ahead and 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 process that information themselves, and that would really, I, I think, put the church on notice because they the only time that they began reacting last year when when uh, uh, the Kamloops and all these uh, uh, dead babies' graves were were being uncovered, the only time the church ever did anything was when their churches were were burning down. Not 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 that I would. Not that I condone burning down churches, but if it hits them in their pocketbook, right? If, yeah. if, if they're starting to lose property and, and assets, then they're going to sit up and they're going to take notice. But if it's indigenous people, they're not going to care, right? If it's if if it's indigenous people complaining about what what happened at at these residential schools, they don't care, right? But if you say, okay, well. You know what? All of your churches are built on indigenous land. We're just going to go and take them back. And and if you want these churches, then you have to you have to apologize. You have to do something. You have to do something. All right. right. And, uh, sitting there in silence is not enough. All right. right. Big bullies. Yeah. Big bullies. That's what they do. Thank you, James. Uh, I've been talking to uh, Darren James Corbier. Uh, he's uh, an artist, teacher, uh, former policeman from the Wikwimikong uh, First Nation, Manitoulin Island. Darren, James, I'd like to thank you on behalf of the Legacy of Hope Foundation for taking the time to do this with us today. Miigwech. Yeah, miigwech. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Roots and Hoots is produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. For more podcasts like this, please visit our website at legacyofhope.ca.